RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Thursday morning, which means our regular Money Talks feature here on Reality Check Radio. And, of course, normally we have Faz and Arani to help us join the money dots in, but he's away this week. And our guest in the slot this week is Tony Knight of DeFi Freedom, uh, providing a 101 on decentralized finance. And he is known as Kryptonite Knight, the Kryptonite Knight. A bit of background here. In 2015, Tony started researching cryptocurrency, blockchain, and decentralized finance. Since then, he's now involved in over 50 digital asset projects, including humanitarian projects and a decentralized digital bank. His prime focus is now dedicated to his business, DeFi Freedom, educating and building a community for freedom and health and wealth. And Tony Knight, the Kryptonite, joins us now. Tony, thanks for coming on our Money Talks feature this Thursday morning. Good to have you. Uh, you're welcome. Thank, thanks for having me, Paul. It's really great to be able to uh, you know, uh, speak to you and maybe uh, um, speak to a bit of a wider audience and sometimes the echo chamber that I'm yeah. Now, fair enough. Um, we just got a bigger, a bigger echo chamber now. <laughs> uh, maybe um, for people to visualize in their mind decentralized finance, how would that look? It would uh, basically. Um, I think money has got two main problems: a debt problem and a distribution problem. And so the way I see decentralized finance looking is is um, more for everybody, a redistribution of finances, of assets, of resources. Um, I see ultimately decentralized finance is going to mean more for everyone. It's more of a, a people's-based movement. Uh, and it's going to help ultimately, I think, provide more freedom in time and um and not maybe uh be so uh like a slave to the machine um it will help us uh come together and unite it will give us more um you know uh, moving away from centralization and, and this uh and the secrecy of of centralization it'll be providing more truth more transparency more um more direct knowledge of what's really going on uh not just with money but with information in general so money is part of the information system i guess you could say could you could you Yes, and the blockchain, the way blockchain, blockchain records all transactions, obviously monetarily, forever, and that it's immutable. And a decentralized blockchain I'm talking about, uh, it's immutable, it cannot be changed. And it's also going to, uh, it's going to help us with, um, you know, other, other things like uh, privacy and our identification. I think in our personal details and um, yeah, more um, more transparency and, and appropriate privacy. So it's it's going to uh, – sorry, I just I lost my train of thought on your um, – No, that's okay because we'll get around shortly to whether the establishment will allow it to happen or not. But yeah. first of all, what – I mean, we hear the term blockchain a lot. What does that actually – mean what what 
what does that describe? Yeah, so the blockchain is basically the fundamental foundation of what crypto, how crypto comes to existence. So you could you could use the analogy of say the plumbing of your house. The blockchain is like the plumbing, and when you turn the tap on, you know, out comes water. Well, in this case, you turn the tap on and out comes a crypto. Okay. They're yeah. not all created equal. It's good to it's it's important to know that blockchain is not just one blockchain. There's actually about four hundred and fifty different types wow. okay. out there at the moment. So people tend to lump them all together and uh they uh a lot of people I know are fearful of a central bank digital currency. Yep. And so they lump that in with all digital currencies, and I think that's a mistake. So how does it um, – why is it so secure? What is it about its design uh, and, um, and and I guess the, the way – because it's fundamentally software, isn't it? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah it's, it's software. It's encrypted software. So yeah. um, the encryption provides – you know, it, it, it's all code. It all comes down to code. I mean, just like we we have our code, it's called DNA. Basically, blockchain is a an encoded system that creates, uh, and it can be, it's like plasticine. It can be molded in many different ways and many different uh, applications and many different use cases. So this is also uh, an important thing to know. Is So it really is a ledger. It's a ledger that records all transactions forever. And, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then it's you could say it's decentralized through the distribution network, uh, basically uh, where you got transparency, where everyone sees everything, and uh, it's verified by various nodes, what they call nodes or validators. The validators have computers that verify the network. So if there's anything foreign in there then someone's going to pick it up and to effectively to take it down you'd have to take down every computer every validating computer so that's not likely is it no that's basically not very likely so there's a lot of people in the in the development of blockchain who are very very uh, focused on trying to move us away from this centralized control and so that, that that ledger that you talked about that sort of permanent encrypted never-ending ledger that's is that the role of the current banking system so does it replace that does it it's ultimately i believe it is going to replace that and i believe that it's already well and truly on 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 its way and i think that there's a new banking system coming that uh, i think is imminent in the next uh, 12 to 18 months at least um yeah, so basically... 12 to 18 months, that's not far away. No, no, it's not Crikey. far away. I, I believe most of it is all done, but they're waiting for, you know, the right time. They're waiting. They're sort of like prepping us, uh, you know, at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I think that they've been working on this for decades. When you say they, who, who's they? Um... When I say it's a collection, well, there's all different people. Initially, uh, when Bitcoin was released, Bitcoin was the first crypto, and that's 
essentially that was the first blockchain as well. You've got to have the blockchain and the crypto come together. Right. And that I think was worked on by DARPA, you know, the the deep state sort yeah, the, of uh, the defense research establishment. Yeah. yeah. And uh or NASA, uh, sorry, not NASA, NSA, NSA yeah, National, National Security Agency, yeah. So I think it was one of them. Um whether they why is it always them? <laughs> Hey, <laughs> well, because that's that's because that's why they're centralized, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Because <laughs> that's the deep state, as we call it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's basically that's the heart of the DARPA research labs. You know, this is where they create all types of different technologies and where they experiment on all sorts of things. You know, that's very nefarious. We won't kind of go there, but I think what happened was that they they knew that the, the financial system, the financial system has a shelf life, like everything has a shelf life, yeah. and they knew it. So I, they came up with this Bitcoin, I think, to sort of partly to get people excited about it and to lure people in. Um uh, you know, I know there's a lot of uh, controversy around Bitcoin. There's those that absolutely love it, and many people do love it. And then there's many organizations that I think are trying to use it as a form of um, type of soft control. But, um, you know, I, I'm not uh, – the technology of Bitcoin was absolutely groundbreaking. But what's happened is there's much better technology, I believe, that has come out since Bitcoin. But that that spearheaded the whole thing. Now you've got developers, you know, tens of thousands of developers all over the world working on all different kinds of projects and blockchain type initiatives, which are many of them working in a freedom humanitarian way. And I don't think uh, we hear about that. And I think that needs to be uh, aired. Okay, well, we'll get on, on to, to more of that detail in just a moment. Um, in terms of, the, so the different the different blockchains or, or the different variations, can we sort of think of those as like different currencies? Uh, yes, you, you, you can. Uh, Yes, roughly you could say that each blockchain has its own different currency, but right. there's a difference between cryptocurrency and crypto assets. Most of them are crypto assets, or sometimes we refer to them as tokens. Yeah. Whereas um, cryptocurrency or crypto coins, normally uh, they they there is only a handful of true currencies that are going to be actual global payments. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah, accept it. In the form yeah. of cash as a cash replacement. So uh, it's good to know that there will be other alternatives other than a central bank digital currency. Yeah, because that's the big fear out there, especially uh, many of our listeners. They don't want to see to see that. No, exactly. And I don't want to, no one wants to see that. I, I, I've done a lot of research on the CBDC. Uh, they could be done if they, if, if they wanted to, they could do it in a much more benign and non-trackable, non-programmable way in the sense of, you know, uh, GPS tracking and switching money on and off. They don't have to do it like that. But of course, <laughs> they want to emulate their own um, their own agenda, 
But um, this is where decentralized finance can offer a real valuable alternative to that. And they will not be able to be stopped because there's so many, there's so much development on it. Once the technology is released, it can't be stopped. It can only be, they can only try and control it through the, through the price and through manipulation in the external way, but they can't actually stop uh, the technology. They can only try and mothball it, if you like. So it seems that um, the the banks or the banking system, and already we're seeing physical branches just evaporate, they're disappearing, obviously, so that's a sign. But um, they must be under some sort of extreme competitive pressure at some point from this new disruptive kind of reinvention of of how we do money what days are numbered are they for that old system you're basically saying they are aren't you absolutely i've been on i've been on a fly on the wall in a couple of zooms where they were talking with the bank heads and the technologists uh, who are developing um, these new banking systems open banking they call it open banking APIs, you know, so what's happening is that now banks, the traditional bricks and mortar banks are now having to, uh, they have competition in the form of what they call fintechs, and fintechs stands for financial technology, and fintech companies are the ones behind bringing out a lot of these new um, cryptos, and uh, the banking sector, I think, is is first in line. If people research this standard, it's called uh, the International Standard Organization. Have a new um, a new messaging standard called ISO two zero zero two two. If you research that, that is, you know, you're already starting to see it with banks doing. Um, uh, real-time settlement now of, of your money. When you yeah. pay online, it used to go overnight or you had to wait the whole weekend. Now yeah. they'll virtually go instantly, even if it's from a different bank. That's yeah. actually a crypto in the background that's affecting that to happen. That's, okay, yeah. That's part of the new technology that they're just drip-feeding out to us. But there's a whole lot more to come, and it means that banks... I think banks, as we know it, are over. Uh, we're going to see um, these new, like, decentralized digital banks. We're going to see um, cryptocurrencies and our own wallets. We have wallets where we can self-custody our own money. We have control of our own money. That is a big, giant step forward from So we don't have to deposit it in an an institution like a bank, and we're not unsecured creditors if they go under. Correct. Correct. So this is where people need to start focusing their attention, is on all the positives that can come out of this this, uh, technology explosion. I mean, it's really going to be a a revolution, and it's going to affect social... Our social um, structure in so many ways, because blockchain can also be used for things like media. You have decentralized media. You'll be able to uh, supply chain, um, all sorts of other things, uh, because blockchain can house house information mm. like social media. 
is being developed onto the blockchain as well, where you can have censorship resistance, where you can speak freely, where you can get your true truth out there without being censored. That's going to be also very powerful. And there will probably be linked in with payment systems on the blockchain as well. If I was the elite, the power establishment, I'd be sitting watching all this thinking, we can't have this. <laughs> well, that's why that's why there's a lot of distraction going on. That's why there's a lot of fear and misinformation, disinformation being pumped out left, right, and center. If the market is going up, they FOMO with Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the new thing. If it's plummeting, they they talk about, is this the end of crypto and blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, you know, what they're trying to do is also market the central bank digital currency because that that's their way of continuing to keep control. That's- and and the money flow, because it's all in, in, a, in the end, it's all about wealth, isn't it? And who gets the money? Well, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And they don't really want us to be wealthy. They actually want us to be a slave to the to the factory machine. They want us to be kind of just, you know, uh, paying our taxes and behaving like good little boys and girls. They don't want us to be getting ahead. This is why they have their financial, um, you know, adv- they have the like kind of accredited investor situation and, really the people that have money can continue to make money because they're operating in their own kind of... Even even legal tender. What is legal tender? Legal tender, yeah, basically means government forced... forced, That means government forcing you to accept this currency. But uh, legal tender and cash, cash is really... Cash has been great, but now with inflation and with the debt... The, the the money is being debased yeah. and uh inflation is eating away but also cash is really a note they call it you know we you have a a hundred dollar note it's actually a debt note it's actually a a piece of paper that, yeah. that that can be the debt that can be called in on you at any time and really that's where we're getting to is at the end of that whole Bretton Woods uh, American petrodollar situation is coming to an end. So, with a digital wallet, once the currency, the cryptocurrency, whatever goes into that, that that's has nothing to do with a bank, nothing to do with anything like that. It's just your device or, or your account, which is what part of the blockchain. Is that how it works? Yes, so the wallets, the wallets, um, yes, they you have your own custody over your wallets. You have what's yeah. called the private keys. No yeah. one can get into that wallet unless you give your private keys out. Right. And it's the wallet itself is like an interface or a window into where your crypto are held on the blockchain. So the, the crypto is not held by Mr. Google or Mr. Apple in their wallet. The wallets are facilitation, so you see your crypto on the blockchain. Where that? So, so, what server? Where? What data center? Whatever do they sit on, or are they on multiple um, platforms? They 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 they're basically housed in the blockchain. They're, the the data server is the blockchain itself. 
Okay. So, but so someone must physically game. operate that, right? Sorry? Someone must physically operate that. It's a, a physical uh, entity somewhere, isn't it? Uh, the information that goes in the blockchain cannot be – yeah, there, there's obviously developers to make sure it's running smoothly, but no one, including – even the creators of the blockchain can monitor that. They can't change. As I say, it's immutable. You cannot change any transaction that goes on a blockchain if, as long as it's decentralized. It is completely uh, beyond the reach of anyone, including the creators of the blockchain. Yeah, but for those or wherever it's housed, and that's what I'm trying to sort of visualize, if you know, if those people say, hey, we're sick of this, we're walking out the door, no one's supporting this anymore. What happens to your cryptocurrency? Uh, well, th that's it. It's self-running. I mean, once the blockchain is issued, oh, okay, all right, it's always yeah. there permanently. And I think what's happening is that the blockchain will become the blockchain internet. The whole internet will eventually be oh, blockchain. Okay. And it. Websites will be on the blockchain. They're already, already, you can send money to your own website on the blockchain. I can do that now. Okay, uh, so, so I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get my head around, you know, um, what what the blockchain is. And I, I've got a concept of it's a something operating on a server somewhere, and data goes in, data goes out. But but the way you're talking, it's it's like a whole, whole ecosystem. Yeah, it's a whole ecosystem. It's exactly what it is. And so you can't, we can't use the same thinking that we use for the existing system for the blockchain system. It's, it's like you've got to throw out the rule book and it's a paradigm shift. It's a completely different uh, way of, 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 of operating. You know, um, so yeah, the blockchain is like you can imagine like different blockchains are like carriages on a train. Yep. You could say a subterranean. It's more like submarines. Yeah. And uh, and as they get more and more now, what they're doing is they're connecting them all up. So there's going to oh, be okay. seamless yep. interaction between from one blockchain to the next. Uh, but if your crypto are held, or if you are holding your crypto on a decentralized, um, you know, um, structure on a decentralized blockchain, then that will always be only viewable by you, and you can send your money peer to peer without any middleman. the The key thing is also peer to peer transacting. And transacting is really the most ancient form of relating. This is how yep. relationships yep. are formed around buying and selling and trading. And peer-to-peer uh, -peer is person-to-person, -person, no middleman. That's cutting out a lot of fees for the banks. That's really – They won't like that. <laughs> they do not like that. That's cutting their lunch big time. So I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, even bigger than that, governments, okay, they want to tax their citizens. And they can, I mean, if I don't pay my rates, the council can literally go into my bank account and take money out if, if it comes to that. They can. And we they did it in Canada with the truckers. and They froze their accounts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so I'm just wondering with, uh, you know, the blockchain, if your money is only accessible to you, you can refuse. You don't need to pay anything. And okay, they might heavy you and and stuff, but but unless you let it go, no one can get any money out of you. Is that correct? That's correct. Ooh, that's totally correct. That's one of the 
main reasons what impelled me to get into into this, and then the more that I've gone deeper into it, the more and more there's so much to explore with the sort of finer details, like your identification being completely also. No one can get to your ID either. So so you don't need a driver's license or a passport or anything, you just... You, you still use your driver's license and passport, but what they can do is they can put those details into what's called, oh. now I'm going to move into another, it's called an NFT or non-fungible token. Yeah, we've heard of them before. Can't yep. even know what they are, but carry on. So they're, an, they're a unique identifier. They're a unique, they're a digital product that's created that can house information and then they are easily transferable by a cryptocurrency via blockchain, but they're, they're non-fungible. So that means there's only one of, there's only one of me, there's only one of you, and you can have our private information, including our health information, our passport, and it cannot be broken into. It's completely encrypted. I actually had my computer, my computer got hacked and I had a number of NFTs and they could not steal my NFT. They could not take my NFTs. So they are going to be huge, I believe, going forward for our privacy of that sensitive information. But the NFT has another application in that it can be used for intellectual property it can be used for your music clips. It can house your artwork, digital artwork. But now it's becoming used to put things like your property title in there and they're using it to do what's called tokenization, where all assets, effectively all assets can effectively go into an NFT-type instrument and then it makes it easily bought and sold and transferred into speed of light for a fraction of a cent. And it's it's that's quite revolutionary. That that tokenize that tokenization, I think was the word you used. Yeah. Um so we've we've kind of um talked about that a, a little before on this program, but uh, my impression was that basically any asset you have you can you can tokenize and and even to quite um uh, small components within the overall value. So let's say I have a possession. I could say it's worth X amount of tokens. And I could theoretically realize percentages of the value of that item by, by breaking it down into tokens. Is that is that correct or have I got the wrong Yeah, you're, you're, you're sort of correct, yes. Um, you, you could be valued in in, in, in um, tokens like that. Also, what you could do is you could have fractional ownership. So say... Uh, yeah, yeah, say, I guess that's what I was talking about. Yeah, that's what you're getting at, eh? So where you can all have a share in, a, say, a valuable piece of property. Well, yeah, let, let's say I've got a house and I want to free up some cash. I could sell some tokens in that house or that property Let's say it's worth a million. I'll sell, you know, fifty thousand worth of value tokenized out of that and realize some value from it. I, th- is that theoretically possible? Yeah, under that system. Yeah, it is. It is. And w- when it gets launched out onto the world, which I, again I think is about at least at least twelve or fifteen months away, 
then uh, you're going to see a real acceleration in things like that. And that's where the use case of crypto really comes into its own because the crypto is the grease, the, the, the grease, the wheels, so that you can move those assets. So imagine uh, selling a piece of your property to someone on the other side of the world for an instantly without yeah, that's what lawyers, I'm thinking yeah yeah without any lawyers without any accountants because the thing is with blockchain it does all the contracts as well you can have digital contracts or automated contracts and so that's how you can get paid passively by um, another thing that you can do is called staking and that can give you passive income Staking is much like what the bank do with our money now, but we do it for ourselves. And so again, we're taking, so we can put our money to work as well. And, um, you know, instead of the bank putting our money to work for them and then saying there's nothing left, the cupboard's bare because, oh, you know, the debt's so big. This is another big danger with having third-party Relying on third parties, banks unfortunately are, are, you know, just they're not trustworthy. <laughs> they're centralised, and so yeah, so it's another big step away from that and towards a a more people based economy. I take it it works both ways. So if I want to borrow money for an asset, because borrowing is never going to go away, right? There'll always be yeah the ability to borrow, then. Cutting out all those middle stages, obviously clipping the ticket. Um, you can what basically um, um, have individualized sort of propositions for loan situations. So if I need to borrow fifty k, um, I guess there could be thousands of options of where that could come from, and um, I look for the sharpest sharpest deal. Right, and the interest rate or the cost of that money is not set by a central bank. Exactly, you can borrow, you can lend, you, and it will be done all on the blockchain and uh, collateral. You, you probably, if you want to borrow money, you may have to put up collateral in the form of your cryptos, which get held in a sort of a a, a contract that then, as you pay back, you know, then it's all recorded and it's all all recorded. And everyone is happy. There's all they're already doing borrowing, lending quite a lot on the blockchain. That is going to be a big area. This is going to potentially reinvent the way we do everything we know, isn't it? This is what I'm thinking now. Potentially, yep. it's the disruptor of everything. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It is people don't realize how huge an impact. This is coming. People think it's just scam coins and and people just making money. It's not just about making money. It's not just about making money for me. It's about freedom and security and safety. It's about being able to transact privately without having someone giving me permission to do that. It's about being, um, you know, free on, on, on that level. You know, uh, to you know, freedom of movement, freedom of speech, freedom of and money. It's very important because that's what keeps us operating in a physical reality. I mean, it's it's not about money; it's about the exchange of energy, and it's yep. about storing value. That's what really what money is: is stores of value and a medium of exchange. 
And it's really you're exchanging one form of energy for another form of energy. And if you've got it secured in a blockchain, then you retain that energy free of inflation, free of debt, free of overseers who feel they they know better than us. Well, there are people, there, there are entities out there that want some of your energy. So I can see, I can see an epic, oh, I wouldn't say battle, but um, face-off, let's say, coming as a result of this. And I wonder where, have you given any thought as to where that could end up? Yeah, there's already been, look, I'll tell you what, there's already been quite a few face-offs. Um, because I'm an educator in the space and I've been in it a long time, I've been watching what's happening, particularly with the Securities and Exchange Commission in America, the SEC, you think they're the kind of basically the, the law of the whole world. And they, you know, they govern securities. So they are trying to make all crypto a security. And so then it comes under their jurisdiction, you see. It's all about jurisdiction. And um, they're losing. The big, the beautiful thing is they sued this company called Ripple, who have a, uh, a crypto called XRP, which I believe is going to be one of the central tokens in this new banking system, by the way, and the ISO 222 massive standard. But that, all that aside, they sued them and they lost. So that has now been sanctioned and it's legal clarity as a currency. And that is a huge step forward for us. And it's a big knockback for them. But they are going to, obviously, they're going to throw out everything but the kitchen sink. Yeah, the empire will strike back. They, they will. They will. That's why we've kind of got to double down with things like we can use other tools like hard wallets or cold wallets. We can hold our crypto offline, and that is a big thing. We can use only use the decentralized wallets. We stay away from things like the ETF, you know, exchange traded fund. They're trying to they're making Bitcoin into an ETF, which makes it like an instrument, just like a stock, which is going to give them a lot of control. They're buying into these cryptos quite large and they manipulate it by a price, by pumping the price and then dumping. Um, and that's the way to sort of herd people the way they want. But the fact is they can't directly, like I said, they can't directly touch the technology. The, the bizarre thing is once it's out there on the internet, unless they brought the whole internet down. Well, that's a possibility. Well, it is a possibility, but and you consider that they want to go into a full digital world, they would also be shooting themselves in the foot as well. So I think that will only be a short term. But even all that aside, that you can still use crypto uh, offline via QR codes. I mean, whether people maybe like it or hate it, but the fact is you still will be able to scan using your phone right. on a code, which doesn't capture your information. It only does the transaction. They, they're quite safe, and the QR codes are becoming really popular for that as a backup. Yeah, yeah. QR codes is... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, mixed feelings on QR codes these days, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I hear what you're saying. 
I know, but again, it's it's the people behind it and how it's developed. It's it's not the tech or the actual code itself. It's it's how it's applied and how it's created and for what purpose, what intention are they doing it? Because they can make it safe or they can make it unsafe. So in a, in a way, this this uh, disruptive um, technology, which is about to sweep in, and you, you're saying in a not in quite a short time frame. It's kind of, even though it's ultra modern, it's digital, it's kind of like the old days when you had like a farmer swapping an animal for the the guy with a whole lot of firewood or something like that. There's no middlemen and it's it's just a straight transaction, no one else involved, no taxation. It's sort yeah. of like going back to original stuff in a way. Sort of like that in a way, but using uh, technology yeah. in a way, yeah, using the technology to take us back to to um, people. Direct. 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 Yeah, yeah, person to person. Uh, exactly. I mean, uh, you, you touched on, um, um, you yeah, know, I think blockchain is going to be amazing for a lot of humanitarian projects. Yeah, you it's- mentioned that earlier. Um, just explain what you were, you were meaning there. For example, uh, they, charities, for example, charities, there's no more corruption almost than in charities. The charities are just so corrupt. I mean, you know, so much money gets money laundered through charity. It's not funny. So yeah. the blockchain will be able to stop all that nefarious stuff because, as I, as I said before, a lot of people think that we need absolute privacy. From, but that's only a reaction to the current centralized system. Imagine if everyone could see every, what everyone else is doing. You've got transparency across the board. That's going to level the playing field. Well, trust comes back into it then, doesn't it? Trust. Then you can trust. And then you've got the validators who are verifying the transactions. And then we're just wanting to get on with our business and do our transacting. And the only corruption is coming from the from the the, the powers that that were, <laughs> the powers that soon will be were, and so you know they they are the ones who don't want to have their transactions seen, because they have developed software now that can track everything, you see, and they are their those big money movements stand out like like you know like like yeah, yeah. and so. Um, yeah, so when everybody can see what everyone else is doing, it's going to completely eliminate the fraud because it becomes a self-policing system. And um, privacy, absolute privacy can give them absolute privacy as well. So what we want is is distribution with privacy in appropriate areas like our ID, like our sensitive information, and also what's translated on the blockchain is just a big, long number. Um, it doesn't give you a name and address or all of that. And so it takes quite a lot of work to figure out who has actually sent that transaction. But then coming applying that to charities or applying that to sports clubs or or um, other humanitarian projects, everything can be put on the blockchain. Everyone can see what's going on. And then um, there is no money laundering, no corruption can happen on a properly decentralized blockchain. And I think that that's could be huge. And uh, you've got all other areas. You can think of any area of life 
and it will, it will become blockchain enabled. Um, from businesses itself going on the blockchain, their websites on the blockchain, moving money on the blockchain, social media and other media blockchain, even governments can go on the blockchain. Yeah. Because they can do what's called a decentralized autonomous organization. It's DAO for short. And a DAO is a self-running basically operation that hardly needs any labor input and it's all run automatic. Uh, so you we could you, on a digital world, you could easily automate your business. It will the AI will take the money and all that. And then, then there's right. another any jobs left? <laughs> yeah. But I but I talking to the listening to some of these AI guys, I think a whole new types of jobs are going to be created. Okay. They thought that jobs were going to go in the PCs and the computers. They thought jobs were going to go when the internet came out. Now they're saying the same with AI. But I think that it's just a reorganization of jobs and people will need to retrain but I don't think it's going to be a huge loss of jobs in the uh, longer run. Okay. Maybe in the short term, yes. A couple um, of questions to wind up as we uh, head towards time here. Um, at the moment, uh, it seems the world is is completely laden with debt, overburdened, you might say, um, especially the United States, putting on trillions just in recent times. I think they're well over 100% of GDP in debt, maybe getting close to 200%. Something's got to give somewhere. So what happens in a transition to this when you've got, you know, a collapsing global financial system potentially at the same time? Can you see a way through? Uh, yeah, but it's going to be messy. It'll be it? a bit chaotic at first. Uh, the debt has, you know, obviously the the, the bankers, central bankers, you know, they, they don't want to be – they want somehow to want us to be – Responsible for their debt, they want to make us the guarantors. Well, they'll bail us in, won't they? That's how they want to. They want to try and bail us in, and there is also, you know, a certain asset grab or land grab that's starting to happen as well, which is quite worrying. But uh, I think with the blockchain and with decentralization, and with enough of us going in there and participating, this is one of the reasons why I'm out there trying to raise awareness on it, because the more of us that participate in that, we create our own people's parallel economy. And then that debt should fall on its own. They should fall on their own sword and basically let their debt, they, that's why they're trying to create inflation. Um, ultimately, I think if the US dollar goes down further, hyperinflation could hit, which will help. Yeah, they, they want to eradicate their debt while holding us to ours. And so yeah. how that happened, how that's going to look, I'm not sure, but I'm glad that blockchain is there as a barrier to help us because it's debt-free money. It's it's our own money. It's created, obviously, the, there's not a lot, uh, not uh, the thousands of tokens that are out there aren't all going to survive. A lot are going to go. We have to be wary of the scams. But I think that the debt is, you know, they're going to be looking for a new home for it. And I, 
I just uh, hope that um, you know they're not successful. But uh, it's gonna. That's a big question that which I'm, I'm, I really don't know. But I think that the, the there will be chaos yeah. as they try to. Um, that it's the derivative debt. It's the yeah, debt. That, 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 it's gigantic. It's it just... is. It is quadrillions. It's such yeah. a big number. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And that is their biggest problem. That's underpinning their whole system. And so it'll come down like a deck of cards when uh, that pin gets pulled. Oh, my God. It's yeah, but if you've bought up reliable cryptocurrency in the meantime, you'll have something, won't you? Well, that's exactly right. We will have something. And, and there will be a bleeding-in process, I think. The real world, like we said with tokenization, real-world assets, are, the way I see the world looking is – Real world assets will be tokenized on the blockchain for security and safety and for transferability, and we're going to see a, um, you know, we're going to see a, a mix of the best of both worlds. Right. You know, there will be uh, gold and silver will probably come back as money. Yeah, well, they never go away, do they? So you'll, you'll see US dollar having to share the reserve status with maybe uh, uh, bricks creation or something else yeah going to see the world going more and more digital and either the debt's going to get written off or um it's partially you know uh, going to be you know um basically i i hope that uh, some of those organizations just go down on their own ship and they basically just the debt just kills them and basically we reinvent ourselves anew on the blockchain yeah. But real world assets and a much lower debt ratio. And last question: um, future of cash. How long do you think cash has got to go? I think cash will run alongside crypto for some time. But what they're starting to do already is they are digitizing cash as well. Oh. It's called a stable coin. So if you want to research that stablecoin is like a digital representation of, of at the moment it's just for US dollars, but I know that the Australian dollars are digitizing their Australian dollar, and I know the Reserve Bank here are working on a digital um, New Zealand dollar. So I think the stablecoin will be the next step and then cash will slowly bleed out, but I think it'll take a few years. It, it, it's good to have cash in the interim as a transition yeah. and as a community kind of uh, money, but eventually we'll go cashless. But I don't think it'll be as soon as what people think, and we'll have time to get used to this uh, stable coin, which is sort of somewhere in between a CBDC and cash. It's going to be kind of less onerous than CBDC, but not quite as good as a decentralized crypto. Right. But they will help to facilitate. That'll be the linkage that helps us to facilitate buying in and out of crypto. And uh, and um, it'll be another form of money that in many ways will probably keep cash going longer because they have to uh, have cash backing it or... Um, and and you have to be able to still have something if the power goes off. 
Yeah, well, yeah, if, 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 if the power goes off, you still need cash. You're still going to need, or we might just have to go to barter. That's why I'm a great believer also. And I'm trying to cover all my bases. I grow my, a lot of my own food. Yeah. We have a nice little community here. Uh, we're basically off the grid with power. And, you know, I, I'm, I've been working on protecting myself for years on all levels. I'm not just focused on the money. I'm focused on on uh, on everything pretty much yeah well i i can tell and and compared to me uh, i mean i'm just <laughs> sitting here waiting to be taken out i've done nothing so maybe it's a good time to to get moving on things like that where are you located just as a, a curiosity in in the country whereabouts I, are you what part of country I, I i'm in auckland i'm in a lifestyle block just north of albany and oh, okay yeah you know that area yeah yeah in uh, lucas heights and uh, I love it here, and you know we've got a bit of space, and uh, but I'm a little close to Auckland for comfort in a way. But but it, it it's this is a great place to this is a great place for me to get a grounding, and you know being a a lifestyle, a sustainability, and all of that. <clears throat> but um, you know I'll be happy to help you. Paul, you know, if you ever want any guidance, I'm more than happy to help you. Yeah, well, I'd certainly um, be interested in that, and, and so would many of our listeners, I think. So um, what's the best way? Have you got a website or is there a way, uh, some sort of page people go to, keep in touch or make contact? Yeah, the website's defifreedom, D-E-F-I-freedom.nz, yeah. um, and they uh, a lot of people know me, uh, actually, I – I'm, uh, I've got quite a large audience that were quite keen to hear this interview. So, uh, oh, good. I will uh, definitely. Be, I've got a few friends there, and uh, I'll be uh, definitely keen to promote it. Um, yeah, but the, people can reach me through, um, you know, Facebook. I'm on there as Kryptonite. They'll find me, or, um, or through the website. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been really interesting. Chatting with you, Tony, uh, Tony yep. Knight, Crypto Knight. Um, <laughs> thanks for coming on. And, yeah, you're welcome. Um, it'll be interesting to see what sort of um, contact you get from um, you know people who've who've listened to this. So it's it's been an interesting uh, forty or so minutes. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. You know, I know it's a little can be a little bit contentious area, but I just want to make people put people's mind at ease and. Just give them some positivity. <laughs> Very, yeah. Yeah, now, there's a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Tony. Thanks so much. Awesome, Paul. Great to meet you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.